Many of the women in our community down at the Jesus Loves You Society, although incredibly resilient, are also uh, have had very difficult lives. They have had they have many broken pieces in their life. I always say if it was just about one broken piece, we could probably help God fix that in some way, but it's layered brokenness in their lives. There are so many things to navigate, mental illness and all types of mental illness, from, from depression and anxiety, which is rampant these days, to, to diagnosed mental illnesses that estrange them from their families and pull them out of community because they're just dangerous people to be around when they're, when they're on some type of a manic high. Uh, addictions, domestic violence, and then there's just poverty. Many of the women that we care for and their children are second, third, fourth generation working poor here in Calgary or around the world. And we understand from statistics that just there are more single-parent families in Calgary than there are two-parent families in Calgary. And so there's an epidemic of one person trying to raise children and just panicking and flailing, not having had a good example in their own lives, being totally clueless in how to do that, how to mum properly. And uh, they just desperately need what we feel we're providing, which is safe, caring, loving community that challenges but loves fully through all of the dysfunction. Many of our moms have rarely, if ever, seen healthy relationship lived out in front of them, let alone healthy decision-making or healthy financing or healthy parenting. And so they just simply have no support systems. They have estranged themselves from their family or their family is so dysfunctional, the healthier piece is to, to separate themselves from them. And so what we try to do at Jesus Loves You is just simply slow down life enough to build relationships with them to with these women and their children to simply provide a safe environment to fi- help them find practical helps, things like food and clothing, just simple things, even shelter at times. We don't shelter people, but we help them connect with resources that helps them find stable housing. Many of our moms are very precariously housed, we would say. You know, especially with children, that's a problem, especially through the winter months. And then we try to provide emotional care for them. That involves a lot of listening, a lot of listening to a lot of dysfunction. You know, where, you know, you're one of those conversations, it's kind of like if you had kids, you know, it's one of those conversations where you go, wow, I really want to tell you what to do right now, but I think I'm supposed to just listen. You know, everything in you wants to parent, you know, everything in you wants to go, dude, straighten it out, do this, right? But you just need to simply listen. And then resource, resource them as a parent, help them find the helps. Uh, and empower them rather than enable them. And then there's the spiritual care part. You know, we feel that we are, if we can slow down life enough, we can help strengthen their faith and renew their hope. And for many of our women, many of the families in our family center, hope has dried up. They have lost hope. And so they are hopeless. And we want to make, help them become hopeful. And so we, we dispense a lot of hope. And, uh, of course, the hope isn't in us or in our ability to solve their problems, right? Again, layered brokenness is so complex. We're not smart enough or savvy enough to, to figure out a, a plan or a way through so much of the dysfunction. But I'm telling you, we know a rescuer. We know a savior who is able to help them. 
and that's Jesus Christ. And so we try to just slow things down and help them build genuine relationships that eventually then grow into friendships. And so sometimes I think when it comes to our faith communities, we've made it a bit too complicated to follow God. We've made it all about rules, and then on the journey, we just make up more rules, and then we just all try to follow rules. And really, it's not about following rules. It's about following Jesus. It's about following the way. And uh, I'm a big fan of education. You know, I, I encourage my boys, get educated, you know, get a, get a degree after, after high school. But the reality is, is if we're not putting into practice what we already know, uh, more education isn't going to really solve anything. So although I'm a big proponent of more education, we have to put into use what we've already come to know. When I look at Scripture, I find it's very simple. So not easy, but I think it's very simple to follow Jesus. A lifestyle that looks can look incredibly you know, remarkably in contrast to what you know, is happening in our society. Our life, if we're following Jesus and living a way of love, should completely stand out in our day and age. Because I look around and I see people trying to get ahead. I see people biting and, and, and pushing each other. I, I see a lot of anger. I see a lot of me first. And when we follow Jesus, that's just simply not the way. Right? And so this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to look at it actually in two different versions, because I just think the wording in both versions is, is excellent. First, I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, so I'm going to read this for you. It centers around the person of Jesus, what he's done for us, and the fact that we're actually bearers of good news. So I couldn't last a day down on our block if I didn't realize that God, through his Holy Spirit, empowers me to share good news with people. And it really is good news. And it's not just good news to people who are desperate and at the end of their rope. It's good news to each of us sitting here today. Right? Amen? Amen. So here's some great encouragement, and it's kind of the outline for our time here today. Following God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I love this small bit of Scripture. I mean, this portion of Scripture goes on to tell us how to do that in our world, how to do that in our families. So Ephesians chapter 5 this afternoon, if you're kicking around your house and wondering what to do, read the rest of the chapter. It's amazing. It's very detailed. It's a little more complicated than what we're going to talk about this morning. But he sums it up in the first two verses and keeps it very simple for us. I need it simple. I hope you can appreciate the simpleness of this. Follow God's example. Why do we follow God's example? Because he is the master. He is the master, and then we get to be his dearly loved children. We are his dearly loved children, kids who are loved by God. This whole passage of Scripture is Paul's effort to encourage us to walk in a way that shares the light of Christ, that shares the light of Christ, that spreads the light of Christ wherever we go and whatever we do. We know that we are dearly loved. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. People say, what motivates you to love people in those hard places? I go, well, I'm I'm dearly loved. (laughs) That's what motivates me. 
We get filled with love, God's love, and then it leaks out of us onto other people that we come in contact with. It's that simple. And then through the rest of this passage, as I I shared with you, there's just a lot of instruction on how we can walk in the way of love. And I love that phrase. You know, this, this Sunday morning, as we say goodbye, as we drink our coffee, as we shake hands, we give hugs, and we walk out these doors, I hope we're walking in a way of love. Through the rest of this week, when we go down to St. Vincent, we're walking in a way of love. We're going to look at what that looks like today and, and kind of get some creativity around it. I love the message version of this. We're going to look at that right here. A message version in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says, watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. There's that bad grammar. Love like that. If we can see it, God is exampling how we are to love at all times. If we can see it. If we can see how God is loving others, then we can love others in the same way. Learn from him like children learning from their parents. Here's what I hear downtown. I I have no, this is parents talking, moms. I have no idea why Johnny's doing that. (laughs) This is me. Monkey see, monkey do. (laughs) That's why Johnny's doing that. He's doing that because you're doing that. Johnny's doing drugs because mom does drugs. Mom brings guys into the house that do drugs. That's why Johnny's doing drugs. Monkey see, monkey do. Like children learn from their parents negative things, they also learn positive things. If we can see God loving in our world, and sometimes we have to look pretty hard to find it, not because God's not doing stuff, but because we're blind to it. So I say, if we can see it, if we can see God loving, then we are to love like that. We are to love in the same way. This next line is awesome. Mostly what God does is love you. Do you know that this morning? Mostly what God... God does a lot of stuff. Would you agree? (laughs) He does a lot of things. He keeps this world spinning. He staves off things. We don't even know what we're being rescued from half the time. God does a lot of stuff. But out of all the stuff that God does, mostly what God does is what? He loves us. He loves you. And maybe that's all you need to hear this morning. Maybe this has nothing to do with the Jesus Loves You Society. Maybe this has nothing to do with Hawkwood Baptist Church this morning. Maybe this morning you're here to hear that phrase. That God simply loves you. You are a dearly loved child of God this morning. Mostly what God does is love you. He loves you. So if you can let that sit for a minute, if you can just kind of marinate in that, the fact that God loves us, we stop, we pause, and we just recognize that it's not just when we're doing well that God loves us. He doesn't just love us when we're winning championships and being successful in life. He loves us 
even in our rebellion. Even in our most broken state. Even when we're so confused, we don't know what direction is up. He loves us in our immaturity. You know, I'm 52 now. So, I don't know, how many years ago was it that we were even together, Dad? 20 years ago, maybe? Like, that just makes me sound super old, and I'm not that old, right? Right? Hey, agree with me on this. Okay, all right, thank you. (laughs) I still find, I just go, I welcome maturity. I welcome old age. I welcome being so tired at, at trying and trying that I just go, you know what, God, God, mostly what God does is love me. Just right here, right now. Just in this state. Right? I mean, he wants me to grow. He wants me to find healing. He wants me to reach for that. It's hard. It's painful. We have to push through some things in our lives to get there. But if we recognize that even in our most disobedient state, mostly what God does is loves us, that we know that today as we sit here, that we are loved by God, period. Nothing we can do to get more loved by God. So we can show him that we love him by obeying, by learning, by growing, by reaching, by accepting, by changing our ways. But we can't make him love us more. God's love can look totally creative. I I shared with you guys, uh, and I think they've been in your bulletins over the last few weeks. I love the one that's in there today, (laughs) that example. I don't know if you've read it. Do you read your bulletins before, or do you read them during the sermon when I'm talking? (laughs) Confession time. No. (laughs) God loves you even if you do that. (laughs) I tricked you with that one, didn't I? That's good. God's love can look so creative and so different. We have a counselor, uh, Susan, down at Jesus Loves You. She's a trauma specialist. Again, uh, you know, we have in our city Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. We have everything anonymous. Everything's anonymous in our city. We have a lot of those. For whatever your vice is, whatever your broken piece is, you know what? It, it, most of it all comes down to just simply trauma. Trauma from our past, things that we've seen, witnessed, been a part of, things that have affected us to a, such a core level that sometimes we've... We've just so quickly buried it in our lives that we don't even know it's there, yet it affects every decision and every action that we do. And so it's very difficult to navigate that, and I'm thankful that there's smarter people than me helping to do that. And so Susan is someone who just kind of is in our community. She's, she's, um, she's about 10 years older than me. She's a complete throwback hippie to the 60s, and that vibe totally works in our scenario downtown. And she helps others express their emotional pieces and their spiritual pieces uh, through art on Monday nights. And they call that group the Tree of Life. And they're just trying to bring up all sorts of, in a safe place and in a safe way through the medium of art, they're trying to share just some of their, express some of their longings, some of their disappointments, some of their joys, some of their successes, and in, in relationship to God and in relationship to other people. And they do it in a very creative way. And for many of us, it would just be lost on us because we go, nah, I'm not really an artist. It doesn't really work for me. 
But the point behind this is, is when we just say, God, would, I, I've watched how you love people, and I know you want me to love people, God wants to use the normal pieces of who we are to love other people. And for some of us, that's creativity. That's dance. That's visual art. You know, that's written. You know, written things that we can write and encourage others with our writings. Um, There's so many creative ways that God has put inside each one of us to be able to to share and to to care for people, both in emotional and in spiritual ways. Uh, ways on, on their journey. And so it can, it, God's love can look very creative and very different. For our friend Tina, uh, she was a stroke survivor and her speech and movement is limited due, due to her, her medical condition. But this past year, she fell into a, a massive debt. She actually borrowed money from Money Mart to go and see her son living in Manitoba and then ended up uh, totally uh, in debt up to her eyeballs, like living on a, a very small fixed income uh, through Alberta Works, our, our welfare system, that she just literally, it's just, she's treading water to try, to try to pay off this debt. And what happened was, after she saw her mistake, and we had talked about it a bit, and again, you know, we, we're always that, that lag time after some mistake is made, then it's like, oh, Daniel, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah, you are in trouble. Yeah, this is trouble. You know, this is a problem. Uh, you shouldn't have done that. You should have just come to us. We could have put a plan in place before the problem happened, but that's not usually how it works. It's usually afterwards. And so we created this plan and this path to kind of recover from it. And previously, she was unemployable and just couldn't find a job. And now here, even with her stroke and her medical condition, she found a job at the Legion serving dinner, lunch to people. And she loves it because it pulls out an extroverted part of her. She loves to do that. It's a simple work. And she's able to earn enough money on top of her limited income to be able to now pay off this debt. And she's done a really good job of just being really disciplined in it and paying it off. And she sees it as God's provision in her life. You know, So we sit down, we calm down, we create a plan, and then God provides a way. And to be able to sit down next to someone and point that out to go, you know this is God, right? You couldn't hold a job for the last five years. (laughs) This is a God thing. This is God at work in your life. He sees you. He remembers you. And He provides for you. Now you have to stay on track. And she has been so diligent to do that, believing and recognizing that it's God's way of helping her relieve this debt and, in, and, and invest in other people's lives, paying it forward through her kindness as she serves other people. Isn't that amazing? It can be so creative, God's love. Here's the next phrase in Ephesians chapter 5. So mostly what God does is loves you. That's an important note for all of us to see. Here's the next one. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. So as I read that phrase, what pops to my mind is, is every time I love like God wants me to love, when I see him love in a certain way, and then I try to do that way of loving someone else, it's going to have a cost. So this passage tells us that the cost to Christ was everything. He gave up everything. He didn't come to us to take from us. He came to give everything of himself to us. That was his cost. And it wasn't cautious. It was extravagant. 
You know, it's, it was a reckless faith. Reckless because he, he didn't know if we were going to take that extravagance and pass it along. There was a cost to it for Christ. There was a cost to it for God. And so I think there's going to naturally be a cost for us as well. What can that look like if we think about this? His love was not cautious but extravagant. What can that look like for you and I without us actually having to, to lose our life physically? Right? I always, you know, greater love has no one than this. And he lays down his life for his friend, John 15, right? I just go, what, what, does, what does that look like without us actually losing our life, like physically losing our life? How do we lay down our life for other people? That's what this is getting at, at the heart of it. How do we spend an extravagant love on other people? And I think if it's not to be cautious but to be extravagant, it can use our natural talents. Now, in your bulletin, you can look in your bulletin. I'm giving you permission while I'm speaking to look in your bulletin. I want you to pull out that example that we have in there. Pony, uh, I have, it's Ralphie in there because I, tr- I was going to hide his name, but I go, nah, his name's Pony. He's down on our block. You, you don't want to know him. <laughs> He's not a nice person, okay? He's a mason, current, uh, a former mason, but he's also a current drug dealer down on the Beltline. And so he runs up and down our street and messes up a lot of people. Uh, one day, he's running by our building, and, and our building has um, that natural stone to Alberta. What is that stuff? It's just that big, what is it? Sandstone, yeah. So we have a sandstone front, but it's only the, like from here down kind of thing. But it's just... Like, none of the grout was good on it. There was, like, wasps living in it. It was an awesome wasp nest, is what it was, all over the whole building. So it was awesome for that. And little critters would dig in there, and it's just so soft that they can just kind of get in there, right, and porous. So he just walked by, and then one of these days, he just went, he just went, I'm, I'm done with this. i got to fix this. This is brutal. Like, and he came to me, and he goes, Schuster, man, dude, your wall is brutal. <laughs> I was like, I appreciate the encouragement. Thank you. Like, I didn't know how to take that. And he goes, no, I can fix that, man. I used to be a mason. I used to be a mason. So he's about seven to ten years younger than me. That was a short mason career, I'm thinking. I used to be a mason, he says. And I was like, I was like wow, cool. Uh, so you can fix it? And he goes, yeah, I can fix it, man. I'm going to do it, but I, I, I'm going to do it for spiritual dollars. I was like, cool, I have no clue what spiritual dollars are. I don't know what that is. What, what is that? And he goes, well, you know, like I'm going to do it for you because it needs to be done because I love you guys. But he goes, but, you know, mostly I'm doing it for spiritual dollars. And I said, well, dude, I can't pay you. Like, I can't pay you. The, like, first of all, because I'm thinking he just wants money. So I go, I'm, I can't pay you, and it doesn't really work that way, you know. Uh, Doing our grout doesn't absolve you from murder or selling drugs. Like, it doesn't do that. That's not how kind of it works. But he goes, no, 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 I just want to do it. You know, you can put it on my spiritual visa. And he kept saying that over and over again, that line. So I was like, whatever. But the bottom line to this is, is, you know, here's someone who's trying to use a natural talent to do something good in his life. So he knows what he does isn't good. Every other moment of every other day. But he goes, I can do something good for these people. They've been good to me. And so, and then he knows there's a spiritual component to it, so he's doing it for spiritual dollars. So I'm like, I don't care. If he can fix our building, that's awesome. But there was a risk involved in this for me because I've done this before. 
oh yeah, I'm a former painter. I can paint your building. And then they get two brushes in, something shiny drives by, and they leave, and I never see them again, and I have a whole bunch of paint, and the building needs painting. So this has happened before. I have been left in the lurch more times than you would think in 15 years. So I have heard this story, not the Mason piece, but I've heard this story over and over and over again. So there's a risk. There's a cost. There's always a risk and a cost for loving like God wants us to love. So, to my surprise, he did it in three days straight, the entire exterior of our building. Did the grout, it looked amazing, and it poured the last day and a half, kind of, of that, of, that, of that work. And he stood out there in the rain, and he finished the job. So, I was amazed at that. And he came to me with the biggest smile on his face, I did it. You know, this is awesome. We gifted him some stuff because I told him I wasn't going to pay him, but I went, I want to gift him because, you know, he pushed through it, right? He showed up every day. That was amazing to me. Sometimes in life, you just got to show up. He did that for three days in a row. I was totally impressed by it. He's still not a nice person. He still does very bad things on our block. As a matter of fact, I think a couple weeks ago, he just cut the lock off of our off our uh, garbage area and stole a bike out of there. So, you know, it is what it is. But the reality was he came to me and he went, yeah, yeah, you can put that on my spiritual visa. And then I finally just gave in because I was like, if you're going to make stuff up, I'll make up an answer. I was like, yeah, totally, dude. Your spiritual visa is paid in full. It's paid in full today. And he was like, thank you. And I was like, you're welcome. That was so easy. (laughs) I don't know. I just made it up. I don't know. Sometimes you just got to make things up. <laughs> Anyways, his spiritual visa was paid in full. But the reality was, is he was able to have a glimmer of the kingdom, I think, right? Of being able to use his natural ability to care for a group of people that had been kind to him. And in turn, we took a risk to let him love. And I think sometimes that's it. You know, I can have a lot of rules in my head that say ponies help to us is of no help to us. You know, he's got an evil, dark heart, and he does. And that's why he needs to be touched by Jesus. And I hope that every time he bumps into us or slams into us or cuts our locks off, that he's bumping into Jesus. He stole a bike that was on Jesus' property. Part of the Jesus loves you, society. So I hope as he's riding around selling his drugs on that bike, I hope the bike doesn't work. I hope it throws him off. I hope it knocks some sense into his head. I don't know. Whatever God's got to do to get Pony's attention, you know, and hopefully that's using me because I'm in his life. Does that make sense? We got a risk and it has a cost. It's not cautious. It's extravagant. I don't know how much time I got left. I'm done here, right? So let me, let me just push through to say this. That last line in, in chapter 2, can we just pump, yeah, right there. He didn't love in order to get something from us. He loved, to give every, he loved to give everything of himself to us, love like that. So the, the so what of this morning is simply to ask ourselves, so what? What does that have to do with me? You're not down where I am. I'm down where I am. You are in your families. You are in your workplaces. You are in your neighborhoods. Oh, I'm surprised at how much our neighborhoods, our city, needs people who love like that. Who watch how God loves and then loves like that. 
We have some students that come from Ambrose University. Are you guys aware of Ambrose University, Christian University here in town? Uh, we have some students that come down one or two each year. As a matter of fact, I just got an email yesterday from a, a gal that would like to come and join us this September. They just come down. I, I love their posture. They come down, they roll up their sleeves, and they go, what can I do? And I go, oh, we don't need you to do anything. <laughs> my uncle asked the same question, my dad's brother. He's 100,000 years old. How old is Uncle Herb? 90, he's 90. He's very old. He's 90 years old. And he says, what can I do? In his German voice, what can I do? You know, in his German voice. And I said, uh, I don't know. Can you just sit around a table and be normal? Because we need people to do that. He goes, yeah, but what about the dishes? And I go, oh, the dishes. We train monkeys to do the dishes. We don't need you to do dishes. Are you kidding me? 90 years on our planet? You don't have to do any more dishes, brother. <laughs> you made it. 90 years? Come on. I said, no, you just come and drink coffee and love people and talk to people. Do what you do best. Come and be with people and love like God loves people. And uh, so these students come down, they do the same thing. They just, they just want to dive into the deep end and just roll up their sleeves. And I love their posture. And in turn, in, in return, I guess you could say we're mentoring them. I don't like necessarily like the term mentor, but... We definitely spend time to talk through some of the wrestles, some of the tensions that we feel downtown, some of the things. And we basically just get to watch the next generation have light bulb moments of how simple and how profound loving people like God loves people can be. And I think if I was to say, so what? I would say, number one, we got to just keep diving into the deep end. Does, does everyone get that? That's a pool reference. I don't know why I used the pool reference right there. But we just got to keep diving into the deep end of love. Can I say it that way? When we see God do some amazing, cool, love-type things, and we go, well, I can't do that. You're right. You can't do that. By yourself, you are, it is impossible for you to do that. But we love because we were first loved. So you fill up on God's love for you, and then you turn around and let that splash onto other people. There we go. That's the pool reference. So you just keep diving into the deep end of loving people. Make sure that it's filled with risking. I, I just always think, you know, as the students come down, they go, well, what's the formula? You know, how do we love people? I go, there is no formula to loving people. <laughs> it's just simply learning to love like Jesus loves, Right? We're going to make mistakes. Are we going to love perfectly? Of course not. Of course we're going to make mistakes. There are times I enable people. I don't want to enable people. I want to empower people. But it happens. You know what? And God's okay with that. He's taking imperfect people, pushing his love through it, and that love comes through, and the love is what's perfect, not us. So we're going to make mistakes in it. But I love my attempt at trying to love like Christ is far better than somebody else's non-attempt at trying to love like Christ. So I always figure what I'm trying to do is better than someone else being critical of and not doing. Does that make sense? Do something, do anything, just don't do nothing. That's really bad grammar. That'll be corrected in the second service. (laughs) Just going to make a little note here on that. James chapter 2 tells us, faith without works is it's dead. It's dead. 
So when we know to do something and we do not do it, it's deadly. So I come back to my first statement. We don't need more education. We need to do the stuff we know to do. Let's love like Jesus. Second one is God is fully portable. Can I say that? I think I can say that. He's omni a whole bunch of things, right? We know he's omnipresent. He's he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he's fully portable. God goes everywhere you go. That's why we're told, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with Him. Don't lag behind. Don't run ahead. Slow down. Keep in step with the Spirit. Love the way that God loves. He is fully portable. He goes everywhere you go. When you go home to your family, He's there in the middle of your family. Love like Jesus. When you go to work, some of us think our work is a God-forsaken place. It isn't. God... God's fingerprints are all, they're there. Watch how he loves people there and then love your coworkers there. In our neighborhoods and in our cities. The last one is I just want to say thank you. So here's what happened a few weeks back. You've been getting some of our stories. You guys are generously giving us food donations. I think some of you you're kind of coming in with your food donations and you're going, "Oh, here, whatever that's going to do. Let me tell you what that does." Okay, our moms don't make it. They're not making it. They're not making it financially. They're not making it food-wise to share with their kids. Your small pieces pulled together to make that pile that's now half of your lobby, right, makes a tremendous difference in the lives of our women and our families. They come every week. They are able to get a non-perishable donation from organizations like yours, from faith communities like yours, and then they also get some frozen stuff because we have a food truck that comes on Fridays. So they're able to take home two bags of groceries for free just because they're a part of our community, the Jesus Loves You Society. They are remembered every week as they come in practical, tangible ways by having enough food. It is embarrassing that there are people in our city going without food. Right? Shame on us. So thank you for giving in that generous way. But you guys did it even crazier and even more risky. And I, don't, I wonder how many of you guys, so a couple weeks ago, you guys were to write down some Valentine notes. How many of you guys here did that? Can you just, yeah, slip up your hands, okay? So a few of you. Okay, so we're asking total strangers to write a note to total strangers. I mean, you added chocolate, that's awesome. <laughs> Who doesn't want chocolate? <laughs> Am I right? Okay, so you added chocolate, which was awesome. Always food is good, right? Whenever I have something hard to tell my boys, I always go, hey, let's go grab a Slurpee, (laughs) right? I'm not above bribery, but that's fine. So you guys offered chocolate, and then you wrote these notes, and you're writing notes to total strangers. We ask that you would sign your your first name only because it's actually not about you. It's about the words that God wanted to share through you, words of encouragement. And I got to tell you, our mom's, Uh, The first group that we did it with was our Tuesday lunch group. So we have a Tuesday lunch group. Most of these are women that are estranged from their families. So they have no family connection. And when they got that note, and some of them opened it right immediately. Some of them just tucked it into their purses, took them home, and then came home and just the next week and went, oh my goodness, you know, what was written was perfect. It was exactly right for me. But I remember the first two people that, uh, that exampled this for us. The first mom opened it, she read it, and she started to cry. 
So you know that God is hitting something. When you guys take a risk to just randomly write words, hoping it's going to get to the right person, and then they're picking it going, what do these people have to say or know anything about my life? They open it and they start weeping immediately. And it was a timely word that encouraged her for exactly... She has two sons. I, I know the mom. She has two sons. One's going has a, a growth coming back on his spine again. They've just been through medical stuff after medical stuff. The other one tore his ACL in a, in a football game. And so there's just this, this anxiousness in their family. And the words just made her stop. And just literally she stopped and she wept. And that's powerful to me, to know that God is... We don't have to be that specific, but God is that specific. So God knows the timing. He knows who that knows. And I told them, I said, just, we're just going to do an experiment. Just kind of, don't just pick the first one. Just kind of go, ah, that one. So that you're making a conscious choice to pick one. The second mom, just, she's going through some other stuff with her liver and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of medical things. But she just picked it up, and she just went, this is God's word to me today. And she's, she's a Catholic woman. She, she knows Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior, and she's growing in that faith. It's very young faith for her, but just since she's been in our community and such. But she's just going, this is God for me. This is God's words for me. He wanted to say this to me. And she was all excited, and she going, you guys need to know. Like, this is God saying this to me. Like, read this, read this. And I was like, okay, uh, okay, all right, I'll read it. You know? So, I mean, you guys took a tremendous risk. And that risk was rewarded over, and those were just two or three of the stories that I, I know of, of women just coming back and saying, wow, those were amazing words. So I just want to say thank you to you guys as a community for providing groceries for our community, for providing finances for our community, and for risking and writing notes, words of encouragement for our community. You know what? In how do, so what? How do we love like that? Ephesians 5 today encourages us. Let us continue to walk in the way of love. And I leave you with that this morning. As we walk out of these doors here this morning, thank you for remembering us, but you go home to your family, your neighborhoods, your workplaces. Walk in the way of love. You will not always get a chance to hear how your loving impacts others, but sometimes you will. Continue to walk in the way of love. Amen? Amen.